1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 31. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing that things are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and satisfaction and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Greg, happy Sunday. We're here in this Advent series, and you know this uh, episode is now kind of one of these punctuation marks as we go through the lovely Advent devotional that you, myself, and uh, many others kind of had a hand in putting together. And this passage today in uh, 1 Corinthians is so powerful. I, I love this whole idea that Paul uh, draws out throughout 1 Corinthians, um, especially the early part of the letter, which is this interesting idea of the foolishness of Christ, um, you know, and it's obviously the subverted, it's not like putting down the gospel, mm-hmm. obviously, but it's kind of subverting the economy. It's, it's basically saying that the way that God works and the way the gospel works actually goes totally against. It doesn't like come into line with the logic and instincts that we naturally have, but it actually like pushes directly against them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what we're looking at today. And I mean, where is that logic more clearly defying ours than in the manger and in the cross, mm-hmm. the very person of Jesus, which we are obviously studying this Advent season. Um, so Greg, what, what are your thoughts on this passage and yeah, what we should, how, how this should inform the way we behold God in a manger? I mean, this is such an awesome this is such an awesome passage. Yeah. I, I love the way that the, like you said, sort of the juxtaposition between what, the way that we all think, the way that the world works and the way that God subverts it. Mm. Um, and I think that, <clears throat> I think there are two things come to mind. One is that there's an encouragement here mm-hmm. and I think there's also a warning. Mm-hmm. To me, the encouragement is that I think sometimes, like even in a in the United States where it's pretty easy to be a Christian, mm-hmm. I think even then you feel sometimes like you're swimming upstream a little bit. Like, yeah. That the 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 current of the world, the currents of thought, the currents of culture are just kind of moving against you, mm-hmm. um, and that it can be very very difficult to see like we're not getting ahead. But mm-hmm. I think the reason you think that is because you're you're looking at all the wrong things. Mm-hmm. That that you know if you if you look at the currents of the world and the currents of culture and all these kinds of things, God's like that's not th- those are not the ways I cho- I chose to work, which yeah. is much the same must have been if you're reading this like as a first century Christian and you're living in the Roman world and you're thinking, well, how is this supposed to work? And God's like, I didn't choose Mm -hmm. the Roman empire to glorify myself. Mm. I chose the things that you would consider small, the things that you would consider not powerful. But in those things, I glorified myself. Yeah. So I think in that sense, it's extremely encouraging because I think it's hard to, um, it's, it's hard to sometimes just to, to, to live in the world with kind of the already not yet, yeah, of, of Christ's return, and think to yourself, like, how's this? How 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 are we ever gonna? How are we ever gonna survive? Mm-hmm. I think on the other hand, there's a warning in this, and the warning is that it's very easy as a Christian living in the world to start associating yourself with the things that are powerful of the world, the things that are strong, the things mm-hmm. that are wise, or yeah. at least appear that way, because it's what draws you in. And I think that sometimes what we do is we move away from Christ in a manger, and we move away from Christ on the cross, mm-hmm. right? 
you you like Jesus as a someone who gives you good advice. You like Jesus as someone who says nice things. Mm-hmm. He's very admirable. Mm-hmm. But the idea that he would die on a cross, right? There's weakness in that. And we don't like weakness. No. We want to, we want to, so we skip over, we skip over Christ crucified to get to Christ victorious. Mm. We forget about the shame in the crucifixion. We we forget about Jesus small and vulnerable in a manger because mm-hmm. we don't like that. We just want to think of him as being like, you know, just always all powerful, always ready to like, you know, take it to the enemy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a warning in that, that like Jesus humbled himself. And often I think what leads from us not wanting to think about those aspects of Christ is that we don't want to humble ourselves. Yeah. We sort of speak self-righteously. We speak angrily. We speak down to people. We're condescending. We forget that Christ, even his interactions with people in the Bible, you see him humbly talking to people, mm. kindly talking to people, trying to figure out where they're at, what, what he needs to say to them. What, what do they need to hear? As opposed mm. to thinking about like, let me tell you how it is. Yeah. And I think that what, what the warning here is do not forget that God chose what was weak, what was not noble, what was foolish. Mm-hmm. Because those are the things that where they would seem that way to the world, those are the things that keep you humble. Mm-hmm. And a reminder that, to like you said, to the world's economy, this looks foolish, but this is actually how God glorifies himself. Yeah, you know, my mind goes to this moment, uh, this really striking moment in the Gospels. Jesus, uh, he's his ministry is really ramped up. He kind of has, you know, all the regions surrounding his ministry, like all eyes are on him. And, you know, if you're kind of the campaign uh, director of the Jesus Christ campaign, things are looking up. You got a big audience, you know, you got lots of miracles, you got lots of press. uh, And that's kind of the position that I think Peter assumed himself to be in, um, or at least adjacent to. And so Jesus, he starts to say some really hard stuff, like over him, there's going to be great division, even within families or, you know, things like take up your cross and follow Mm -hmm. me, which, you know, we hear take up your cross and think like, oh, the cross is what Jesus died on. He hadn't died on the cross yet. And so that like, imagine how shocking that statement really is. Take up your cross, like take up your, your noose, take up your, you know, what, like the, this executionary device and follow me. Mm -hmm. And so Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, yo, what are you saying? Like, don't say that. Like we got a good thing going. And Jesus famously famously says, get behind me, Satan. And, you know, I think that this idea, this interaction between Peter and Jesus is Peter wanted Jesus to take the path of nobility. He wanted Jesus to take the path of fame and fortune to accomplish Mm -hmm. his purpose. And Jesus says, that is not my will. That is not the Father's will. Because, as this idea in 1 Corinthians, God shows what is foolish. He shows what is not noble. He chose what is weak. And you see that even still that like heart of Peter in that moment. Um, I think even with good intentions, it creeps into the church all the time. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we see it most is like evangelicals want a champion. And so every time a celebrity becomes every time Kanye West or Justin Bieber or, you know, whoever the heck it is, uh, you know, goes on like Fox news or CNN or whatever, and says that they're on the spiritual journey and they believe in God and they love Jesus. That person's like all of a sudden speaking at all these massive churches and hanging out with all these famous pastors. And, you know, of course, like there's, there's nuances within that that aren't necessarily wrong, but the impulse of like, 
oh, if we get this person on our side, yep. that's going to be the thing yeah. that changes the tide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's going to, you know, evangelicalism is going to be cool again. Yep. Like we're going to get God back in the schools again. You know, we're going to get all these policies our way. And, you know, it's right here in the Bible that that's not really how God works. Yeah. It's not really through nobility. Um, there are, you know, we do see influential people. We see Roman officials that begin following Jesus. So it's not like people are excluded from the gospel because of their standing, but there's not some partiality that God shows there. Um, and it's not partiality with his grace. And it's also not partial partiality with influence, but God chooses what's low and despised mm -hmm. um, to totally subvert our expectations. And I mean, the manger, the cross, it, it just r smells so strongly in this, right? Yeah. Like, um, that God was born as a refugee child Yep. in a shameful situation, societally shameful. Um, and so, man, that's just powerful. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, it makes me wonder, like, <clears throat> in our daily lives, how often do we look over, like, you, you're going off what you said about, like, Christians want a champion, or so, like, it'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be winning, you know, like, things will be back to the way they were. Yeah. Like, how often do we overlook the things in the world that are, foolish and despised and weak because mm. we're concentrating on sort of trying to win this yeah. macro battle mm -hmm. and that there's, you know, in your daily life, there are all kinds of things that you run into every day that maybe people would not say you should spend your time on, but that's exactly yeah. what Christ did. He spent his time on the things that, you know, at the time, if you want to be influential, you'd be like, buddy, why are you running around Judea talking to the crowds? Why are you not in Jerusalem talking to Herod? Why are you not taking this? You know, you need, you need, yeah. to, you need to up your, up your wattage. Um, it just makes me think of the people we pass by every day, mm -hmm. the little things that we skip over because we don't think they're very important. When yeah. in reality, those are the things that God honors so yeah. much, you know? And God's love is magnified in that. You know, like as a church, uh, we all need to be on the same page that like when we have an influential person and, and you know, we're kind of, we've grown as a church and we have influential people and maybe you listening, maybe you are an influential person, you know, yeah. maybe you have some public platform and thousands of followers or, you know, however you quantify it that influence um you know the the word the heavy word here in first corinthians one is like people that have that sort of standing are not like god's special toy yeah. and like god's special tool god actually works through the least yep. but here's like the love of god in this is god didn't save you because he needed to use you he saved you because he loves you yeah and so even these influential people are not saved because like ooh, like you know, we got this guy on the train now. Like thinks like God really is amping up the recruiting class. Right. But no, it's like that person is just another person who's damned by all the bad things that they've done yeah. and how they've treated other people and how they view themselves. They, they are condemned by that. And yet God has removed that condemnation and put grace on them. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing else. There's no, there's no hidden agenda. There's no like, you know, kind of logical utilitarianism. It's just love. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians one, a great place to be this Sunday. And, uh, you know what? We'll be back next Sunday with another one, Greg. Amen. So awesome. for the con man, the veteran, the man of the capital, <laughs> the great Greg Conley, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. 
I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and our daily rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.